Welcome to 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective. Presented to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Welcome to another episode of 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. I am one of your hosts, Nathan. I'm the other one, Juma Robert Baton. <laughs> what are we reviewing today, Bob? It's the Zemisi clan book. Right, yes. That we, is not in front of you. We want to, oh, it's right here. It's so thin. It's right there. Yeah, all the old clan books are really so thin. quite small. Honestly. It's like we got four good ideas and then we're done. Right. In in retrospect, looking at these clan books, they do definitely meet them up. Like they chunk them up in the revised, but we'll get there down the down the line. But uh, I'm thinking they use fat paper. That's what happened in the revised. Yeah. <laughs> just fatter paper. They just, just use bigger letters. Sliced it thicker. You <laughs> just, know. Right. Just increase the font. Um, what you got to do. But uh, a word of warning to your ears because we know how particular some of you are. We're going to pronounce it differently than you do, and you're not going to like it. Oh, this book's filled with Slavic, Rom, we, Russian, yes. so German. Yes. So I pronounce it Shamase, or Zemis, if I'm feeling fancy. Uh, but it's okay. I will never pronounce it Tizmichi. That's okay. And you don't have to, because on a number of occasions, I've reached out to those who have, you know, had a hand in writing and producing these materials and they've said we don't care how you pronounce it whatever you say is okay so if you don't like how we say it that's okay you're not wrong we're not wrong no one's wrong everyone's right in clan book shamase if you say it different than me you are incorrect <laughs> that was nate's opinion I'm just saying I, I i'm just offering up uh a way to bring us together a, a way to i don't know merge us into one pulsating entity I just like being different. <laughs> I mean, you just, you just like causing a stir. It's like being different. I mean, if everybody's going to be one way, I have to be the yeah. other. Uh, so, yes, these uh, these Timzitskis, as, as they're called by some. The Tanzgettis? The Tzimiski. Uh, the Shamase clan book. The yes. Zemis. So, uh, this clan book is one that some, some of our fans have been waiting for on bated breath. Uh, it is a, it's a unique clan book to say the least, but it's not unique in the sense of how it's like laid out. Uh, I mean, it's it's got a story at the beginning. Well, I'd say it's unique in how it's laid out. I, I just mean like the general flow of it, right? It's got an A, B, C, and D. There was a black plastic cover on this uh, clam book, in fact, when it came out, making it distinctive and unique. I am not aware of this thing. Oh. Well, that's because in the back of the cover, if you'll flip that book over, if you didn't notice it, Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Now I remember. Uh -huh. You've brought all of the sensations of memory back to me. Yes, <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, uh, this was uh, um, kind of censored in the stores. I do remember buying this one. I bought it at a store called Lonslayer in downtown Naperville, uh, like, I don't know, 15 years ago, 16 years ago, before Revised Edition came out. And I was like, yeah, I wonder what's going on in here. Because the front of it, it's just like, a very normal looking female and like the background is another female it's nothing obscene or but if you stop dancing around it yeah, and you flip it over it's how do we say this if you look and at it um someone's face has definitely been turned into a vaginal caricature Caricature? Yes. Uh, that's a vagin. Yes, it's uh, it's definitely vagina dentata, which has that's, been... That's what that is. Yes. Not akuna matata. <laughs> vagina dentata. Akuna matata is a wonderful phrase. no worries. <laughs> vagina matata, dentata means all sorts of worries. Yes, uh, this is all the worries all the time. Um, that's the actual, uh, looking him up, that's the Zemis uh, known as Pussy Face. <laughs> <laughs> He's he's famous in the Zemis clan, actually. Yeah, it's weird to listen to him talk, though. He's the only one who can lick his own bead. <laughs> oh yeah, that that that. See what really fucks with me about this, and uh, pardon me for straying off for, for a very long time, but the way that this little picture on the back is presented, it's as if it's an excerpt of a much greater picture right, right. that I've never seen. No I'm one very has. interested to see what is the rest of this that was cut out. It's just like close up vagina face. They they didn't need any more. No, no. I guarantee you that is the most bought book 
when that was released of the yeah. clam bush. Yeah, yeah. Anything, anything that's like censored or sealed shut. It so, was bought. Yeah. So inside of this book, um, much like the the rest of the um, the f- second edition or first ed books, uh, the clan books at least. the layout the actual the background of the artwork and the actual artwork itself is very much unique and very disturbing uh all of it it appears as if the majority of the artwork was done by uh one artist i'm i'm assuming it's john cobb because joshua gabriel timbrook has a pretty unique uh art style and i believe his contribution is the eyeball (laughs) the very front um, but the rest of this, this artwork, I think, uh, really tells a tale of this clan. Uh, it is twisted artwork. It's done in a very unique, uh, you know, black sort of, um, surrealistic fashion. And it really does paint the picture of this clan. Um, so that in and of itself. And also the other thing I noticed too, even the, uh, the sample characters, they're all done by this artist, which seems to be different than most of the other clan books. I think that I applaud that because yeah. it, that has a very, uh, specialist feel. Yeah. And it should, I mean, it's a clan book, right? This is where you get special or uh, specific, I should say. So, uh, the book starts off like most of the clan books do with a story, uh, with a, a narrative tale differences, right? Like in all the other ones, we had like a sire to chilled, right? Or you know, an elder talking to everyone, or the Nas had a brood that was right. talking. This one's distinctly a story of a sire to chilled that holds that theme correct. Right. You have no idea who this is. No, no. All they, you know is that it is happening post some sort of Sabbat takeover. Uh, the Sabbat laid siege to a city, and they were victorious, and we get a little bit of insight to what happens to those that are brought into the fold after a Sabbat takeover. And it was cool. Cause in the, in there it mentions uh, one of, one of the factions that the Zemis said was many were going to go over. Um, Cause they're quite complicated uh, when you get down to it. But this one in particular is the more exploratory scientific bent to forget the name of them at this moment. We'll get to that later, but they analyze everything based on a high level of intellect. They believe it's evolutionary. Right. what they are and what they are to be. And accordingly, everything else is beneath them to be explored with. So if you think what man has done to animals to test a myriad of products <laughs> right. and food, that's what they're doing. And in that first story, that's exactly what he's doing. He has a disagreement with his chill at one of the Esbots. Mm-hmm. And uh, by disagreement, he just observed, I don't know. He was like, I don't know if that was what I, I don't know. I didn't see my chill doing that. Right. And she's very much like, okay, I guess we're going back home to talk about it. And it's distinctive in two things. One, his unique description. Because that is his picture right. that they have there alongside the describing. is a long serpentine neck that seems to be evolved right? in a way. There was a purpose to it. His ears are distended. And uh, like the whole fact of gauges or elongated earlobes is, uh, is what's there. And that's evident too. But then he has this weird, almost like chitinous-like apertures to his forearms right. that are... Right. Longer than they should be. They talk about how any resemblance to a human is merely coincidental. Right. But everything on him, which is unique to him, well, not to him, to the way that faction thinks, Mm -hmm. it's an advantage. Right. They believe they've evolved from, uh, what is it they call it? It's not not called the Homo sapien. It's like Homo sapien sanguinis. Sanguinis, yeah. Is is what it is. And I, and I I don't think it is sapien in there. It's like, it's Homo sanguinis. We'll just leave it at that yeah. until we see it later on, but it's there. And uh, why it's unique is because it kind of tells you the, the mental dementia that sets in there. They, they believe it. What do you do when you can shape flesh with your hand? And that's what he gets into. And some of the highlights that I enjoy, number one is the hospitality of Clan Zemis. Epic. That's, you, don't, you don't ruin that. You don't go through it. And, they, and it tells you from her perspective. He goes, he says, hey, we have a disagreement about how this goes down. I have a couple experiments. Come to my lab. And he just goes a walking. And she follows through. And the moment he walks across the threshold into his lab, she stops. And then he immediately pauses. His head turns exactly 180 degrees around right. to tell her, you, you may, I grant you my protection. My meat is your meat. My drink is your drink. And all that other cool old world shit. Right. Let's go. So they give you this, uh, this highlight. And it's it's of that classic vampiric uh, weakness that they cannot enter a location 
unless they are invited. And it's not that they can't, they certainly can, but it's a matter of decorum for them to be invited. And they talk about going out of their way to find reasons to garner an invitation into someone's home. Because it goes all the way back to ancient times when they were the, you know, the rulers of the land that they're from. Still are. Right. Still are. The clan's definitely territorial. And the thing I'd like to point out more than anything is that that is an aspect of their beast that they're talking about. It's Predators have territory. Mm -hmm. A lot of vampire clans overlook it. It's not even looked at, too. The Zemis do not. And everything you said, what I like about it specifically is what if you don't? What if you just go in? Well, then they're free to do whatever they want to you. Absolutely whatever they want to you, up to and kill you, and they probably will after they wear you a couple thousand different ways. Right. And, and, and whatever they want, you know, is what it comes down to. You want to be invited. You want their hospitality. And that's what they iron out off the bat. But then when you get down below, he starts going through his experiments, and I'll leave those delicious details to you, but one thing's important. Throughout the story, they're throwing in aspects of who they are. These are definitely Sabbat. Right. They mentioned Asbot. That is a Sabbat uh, rituals uh, that are overseen. That's a party. Who's what an Asbot is? Usually, a ritual starts it, you know, and then they have a blast, and then there's another ritual. Yeah, and it's it's done. A, like a meeting. There a you meeting go. of the minds. And then uh, down below, talks about the Bruja Primogen's head. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah, and the fish swimming in and out of it. Exactly. He fleshcrafted its hagfish, isn't it? Yeah. They're just they're just slowly eating his head and, and and supping on his brain, and he was somehow relating himself to an evolutionary advance, even that beyond Bruja, because at least he had the wherewithal to not be in the fish tank. Right. But it's like if you think about it, son of a, you're the one who went and brutalized them in the fish tank. Right. But his chill gets it. She's there. She's there being as objective and as contradictory right. to her sire as she can, but he's also doing another thing. He's making sure her intellect is there right. and on point. Everything is about scientific nomenclature, scientific nomenclature. And the really beautiful part to me is the subtlety of the story when dealing with the narrator. The narrator is a recent embracee, uh, someone that was acquired during the war party into the city, and there has been a distinct change in this individual since the embrace, the deadening of nerves and uh, how the body reacts to stimulus. And one of the things that she describes is hearing the screams of one of the individuals that's on display being studied and being experimented upon. And she recalls that in life, well, Screams like this would have seriously grated on her, but now it's almost like a. She calls it like um, it soothes the membranes, right? It, it it's like a different reaction. Like it's actually something that it, it would be like us falling asleep to white noise. When I read it, it was like it was like they said there's something she doesn't have that allows her to receive the sound better, right? And I wasn't certain if she was walking around skinless, right? Like on the you know, on a torso at least was just open to yeah, it. Yeah, we we don't really know what's going on with the narrator, other than she does occasionally describe these memories or describes the feelings that she gets being a new embracee, being recently brought into this world. And the reason being about recently brought into this world, why it's so impactful, and she can't really remember before uh, she came out of the ground. Right. Right. So the ritual changed her. It completely changes you because you go through a horrific transformation. Not not just Samis. To be Sabat is to basically, you do forget your past because they put you in the ground, right? They embrace you, throw you underneath, and you have to frenzy through viscera usually. Right. Or or my favorite, the common parlance, how the ritual is actually done, and the Zemis get into that, is the fact they dig a nice big pit. And they throw you and whoever else is going to be a shovelhead into the pit, maybe one or two people. It's usually a number of like a dozen or whatever. We'll just say 13 right. for humor's sake. Only one to one to four of you are going to make it out. And they're going to gauge you. That whole pack sits there and watches you come out. And you'll be covered in blood. You've had to fight your way out um, through flesh and worse. You've had to bite and eat each other on the way up. And then when you're out, you're out. And the pack's like, huzzah, you made it. Ah, you're strong enough to be Sabat. But what does that do to your psyche? These are people like she seems she was a doctor of a right. type or worked at a hospital right because the mortal he's torturing 
in the she, story she she like it calls out to her he he calls out to her she has no idea right. who it, she's like how does he know my name and then it dawns on her she's like oh yeah i kind of do recognize you i think i worked with you back before <laughs> right you know it's like it's like such a detachment because it, that ritual and the rituals of this clan are really formative to what the sabbat becomes there right. without the shamase there could be no sabbat there, with, there isn't without the rituals that bind them together without the rituals that change them and alter them that the sect couldn't exist so they are a linchpin uh with the the leadership of the sambra some could say that could go not a, not a big deal but without the ritual aspects of that sect they would devolve into the, you know, cannibalism. They would eat themselves from the inside, and that's what that's what the clan believes, and that's what the the uh, the prevailing winds would say as well. So, uh, yes, good good uh, ent- uh, entry into the clan book, and then um, like most clan books, it starts officially with the history, and this is uh, this is narrated by someone as well. We have no idea. We don't know who, but we know that this individual has had a great deal of interaction with some of the luminaries of the sect. And just diabolized his sire. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's the important note, yes. right? Because off the bat describes that he's he could barely he or she can barely write. Right. Because they're writing the high of an ancient. Exactly. And and they kind of emphasize too that this individual, they could be regaling us with memories of their sire. Right, but I I like how they meld that in that book. I right. caught that several times where it transitions. Right. It goes from a young it's it's like a person imagine a person modern somehow able to slam together someone from like I don't know twelve BC. Right. Right? And how they're gonna go over like those memories in, in BC on forward, the important events it remembers, but it's through your interpretation. Right. Bridging that gap would be very unique. They Clearly, it's a difficult thing to do. They managed to do it. How well? I think well enough for the clan. Yeah. Um, but that's it's impossible to totally make it to where you can't pick up the distinguish. Right. But the fact that you can pick it up lets you know that's what the Aubrey does. Yes. And that's what's awesome because the person he eats has been through so much that, you know, just he's... But what I like what they did with it, they're able to talk about the entire clan history because of it, all the way right. up to the modern, which makes it a smooth read. And they the, they talk about to the when they talk about the history, the real like ancient history of this clan, there's a certain poetic sort of musing like it's <laughs> it's very much you get the impression that this individual is very much proud of where the clan came from, uh, the time before the dark ages and and they they also make mention of the blasphemous rumors of soul eaters. And they they sort of right they scoff like this this nonsense. It's designed as propaganda to one of our enemies made it right. Uh, that's not a thing. If you truly understood the founder of the clan, this was an individual who, of course, had this ability from the very day they were embraced. And they said, you know what? I am tired of dealing with you, children. I have my own lands in the north that I am going to go lord over. And you can deal with your fighting. Meanwhile, I'm going to build up my defenses and I'm going to rule the night as is my right. Right. And that goes on for a time. It does. But uh, important notes. So off the bed, they talk about, well, what's similar between the Zemis and, and the Tremere? Well, I don't know if you guys are aware. I had forgotten when I read this mm-hmm. and sort of harkens to it. It definitely points out the fact that the Zemis, don't know if you're aware, they claim descendants from actual mages yeah it's it's, it's straight it's, up at this be, point be. maybe it's, we it's, do. He straight up says it that it's, it's their belief is that uh the antediluvian uh wanted to be uh, wanted to ascend right as in mage the ascension and that's because there's a house right that uh that existed out there that some of them hail from and this belief that this being has is that they were from that house the same house that came from house tremere now they were rivals in that house so in order of hermes there was two factions one Tremere, the other one, this house. I forget their name. Begins with the V. It's very early on in that book. It describes like in the first paragraph. Yeah. And uh, the I looked it up. Is mm-hmm. what I did. I researched it. What you couldn't do back in the day with this book that you can do now. The advantage of this podcast is you can look up those Easter eggs and believe me, they're up there. 
you will find them on the web with accurate information. Thing is about it, not confirmed. And I and I assume that's because when this gets revised later on, squash that shit. Right. There's no need for it. Because what they're doing here is they're trying once again to thread into the other products they have coming out. Right. And they're trying to make attachments that don't need to be there. Yeah. And it's like drawing it's like making a web. Exactly. You know, it's this this has a connection here, this has a connection there. So I understand where you want to say, all right, cool. So now this makes more sense. This mage thing, mages begat vamp no. They throw that out the window because that's the uniqueness of Clan Tremere. And this book kind of even hints at that, where it's like, that's great, moving on. Right. But what they're talking about is they're in the Carpathians. That's where they're at. They're in that whole foothills, forested area, precursor to getting to the mountains, which is all theirs. And what I like about it is the Tremere weren't far from it. They've always known there were wizards not far from there. And they've, they, they lived their land and did their thing, and that was them. This is us. Right. But they beget one fact that La Sombra, um, apparently they've been warring with them. That was in there too, back in the day. They're the one clan that actually makes it a th- a just whatever. We were fighting with an Antediluvian, it was La Sombra. It's just, <laughs> yeah, just what happens. Yeah, it's just whatever. And we'll get his. He gets his later on. We give it to him. But not right now. Right. And they don't really talk about why. You know, it's just sort of like they were there and they fight, you fight. It's what you do. And it's because everybody wanted to take over what was theirs. Even he had to go. And even he was thrown out. Then you have the Shadow Lords who they mention, and it's a werewolf tribe that is combing the Carpathians. They're hopping all over the place, doing what they can, and they're just like, eh, any given night. Right. There's some wolves. There's some problems. We send out our guys. Whatever. And it's just how we live. And we're happy with it. Right. We, but they're, and, they're and, and it, it leads to the fact that at some point dealing with all of these enemies that are coming in from external locations or just that are also native to the land, the Shamasay just, they kind of just go, ah, make as many as you want. Just, just raise them up, embrace them, throw them out our enemies. But why is that? Because when they get embraced and they get comfortable, these elders take a back seat like right. you do. Right. Why? Because when they would go out and they would hunt before the mortals took care of them, they were establishing fear. That's when it that's what it meant to be a vampire. They would descend out of their castles, like as they put it, every bit like Bram Stoker has his pen about very romance like, and they would climb down whatever they needed to to go into a home, take as much blood as they want, but they would leave their victims and they would take those back for later or in the in whatever they want to do. Right. To warm their bed, whatever they want. Well, it got to a point to where the elders were just the the people said, Okay, hold on, we can't do anything about it. Maybe if we give them sacrifices. So every seventh child born in a village would be offered to them. They would just bring them to the Lord's to feed on, and hopefully that would be enough. But you do the math. <laughs> if they got to feed once a month, yeah. unless this village is, is a super populous, they're not producing a whole lot to keep them out. But the, but the narrator doesn't care. That was the point. Right. The very fact that they offered it stopped them from going down in mass. Then they decided, well, let's just embrace... A bunch of people, like you said, right. which inspired their downfall. Because the narrator is also an anarch. He's one of the ones that said, hey, cool, let's, uh, let's no, let's break the shackles here. Right. Let's figure it out. And uh, it says that, that specifically, this is the time that I came from when we served our lords uh, with fervor and uh, we continued to serve perhaps with a little less fervor, as many of us were murdered and killed and wounded and injured. And then eventually we started to question, like, why do we continue to serve? And it shows the establishment that that blood bond was there and it was iron stock. It was lockstep, ironclad. And then it sort of waned because you had these lords who just sort of indifferently sent their their men, their soldiers out to die. and didn't care that just it was uh, hubris and eventually these these younger uh, the, the younger generation they start to go oh this doesn't really make much sense right. like um yeah, and then eventually it goes you know what fuck these guys these assholes what are they doing what are they doing for us and so what we're experiencing here is the fact that i think that's also a memory conflict mm-hmm. that's a strong memory of him being there as one of the first anarchs yet you don't really, you're not certain whose memory that is. I mean, that's, right. that's, that's a ways ago. Right. So it's like, okay, cool. That's awesome how they have it written in there. 
But one of the coolest things about it is that you get a description of Lugaj Bloodbreaker. Right. And they describe what he was like and what he was like to speak. And um, I, actually, I actually won't ruin that because I think that's more, better to read than either Nate or I could do. Um, it's just well written in the narrative. But the cool fact is, is that describe in detail um, Valdery. Right. Exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. It comes from something called the Amaranth Flower. And the Amaranth Flower is uh, the night of, uh, night of Kapala that they honor is when Lugaj Bloodbreaker first discovers his finding mm-hmm. of this amaranth flower. And he, you know, he asked the combined people who are there, Do you, are you aware of what this is? And it is Lombok, which is the voice he attributes to, being the one who weakly right. says, <laughs> says that, oh, that is, that is the thing to bind demons. And then, and then Lugaj finishes the sentence going, or to release them. Right. That's how it's done. The demon's referring to them. I need to make the distinction because if you read it, you're like, oh, it's demon flower. Well, right. well, we, you know, uh, going by this book and going by what we've read so far, we don't really know what it is. All we know is that it's some very strange and powerful artifact. Oh, the flower you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the flower we don't. Um, it's and it never it's never defined. Right. Don't think later on in a book. They're like, oh, this is what it is. No, it's called the amaranth. It's left a myth as to what it is. It's a ritual that Lugaj did. Yeah. Well, we know even now, because we were the children of Inquisition, that's because that's the blood, that's the antediluvian. Right. That's Lugaj's little ritual. Yeah, okay. It's a, <laughs> sure. All right. Right. Depending. You're right? Just how you want to see it. Yeah, There's I, a reason Lombok was weakly in the back saying stuff. But the beauty part about it is, reading this clan book, this clan doesn't know. At all. They don't know what we know as the 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 watchers of what's going on you know as the the consumers of the product we know the fourth fourth dimension never get, the fourth wall never gets broken right they they do not know but it's cool it describes everybody was about it everybody was gung ho and then lugaj bathes himself in the mortal sacrifices that were hanging in the background they all do it but then lugaj leads the charge through a fire this is important right it's important because firewalking is an esbot and the sabbat where you have to, you literally have to get over the fear of the flame to not fear what you have to go do. That is the point. That's the symbology. If I can jump through that which kills me easiest, then I can face down any foe I face, and and without a problem. Yeah, it, it is definitely designed to kick fear in the nuts. Uh, and it it started here in this cave with the shamase, and it's practiced to this very night. Needs to. And that's what they that's what they went at the elders with. Now, what's cool is is that that amaranth begets the Valdery. The Valdery with the amaranth, it's something that Zemis teach, and they started spreading through the Sabbat. Every priest that would be had to learn from Zemis the amaranth that continues to this night in the Sabbat. You need it mm-hmm. once taught. You can teach it, obviously, but the whole point is the Zemis are cru- are crucial to it, right? Uh, because they had to get the blood from somewhere. This doesn't work without someone who's tasted Zemis blood. You can't just decide your sabbat, take a cup, bleed into it, no, and expect something uh, to happen. Absolutely not. The, the, they make very clear, not in this book necessarily, but in other supplements, that Every. It's, it is not just a, eh, we cut our wrist, we bleed in the cup, and we all drink it. Like No, it's, it is a ritual, and uh, it does require incantation. It requires a knowledge of the ritual. And it, it shows you here that this clan spreads the the ritualistic aspects of the sect like like a bacteria or a virus it it starts with them and it spreads out and that's how uh the the sect is able to maintain itself like i was saying earlier right and it's uh it's one of many rituals that they actually bring through but that's the one they described to get in the mix right then they talk you know he goes through that and remember the anarch times what they're doing is from the zemis perspective once that was done with Lugaj, they don't go where Lugaj goes and all that other stuff. They don't get into it because that's been done. What they do get into is the fact that they take it back to their elders. They didn't stop there. Because at this point, the Zemis were warring with each other because children were on top of children. But the point of the blood bond being made via vaniculum is we can now choose who we fight. Before we were fighting because our elders said, hey, next door neighbor elder has more land than me. Why don't you go take it? Right. And that was that. Well, now you show up with everybody who went to do that, and you're like, cool, we're going to take your shit because you're an elder. No, you're not. And I'm going to kill you. Unique. Every other clan, they run like rats. They run like rats. 
when the anarchs come to their doorstep, I'm bailing, kill my children, I'm out the door. Not a Zemis. That does not happen. These guys took the Zulo shape, mm-hmm. otherwise known as horrid form, and these elders came out showing their children just what they were facing. I adore that description. There's so much honor in that, and horrific thoughts flow through my head just thinking about it. Because think about it. You go to knock on the door, and you're like, I'm taking your house, I'm taking your shit, and I'm taking you. And old man was in the kitchen making stew. Right. Old man now has eight limbs, sprouts a horrendous head, grows ten and a half feet tall, howling thank you, and comes wading forward, and everyone starts pouring out the woodwork to come at you and your friends, and you and your friends are like, we were expecting this. We talked about it. Let's let's get at right, it. I mean, right. you know, winner go the spoils. And you're sitting here thinking, oh, man, that's the most barbaric clan ever. It's actually the highest form of prestige and honor in the Zemis clan you can get. <laughs> right. I made you and you came back to kill me? Well, only one of us is truly evolved. Right. Only one of us can win. And that right. winner gets all. This makes sense. Come. Let us see. And, and it's horrific. Right. And also, uh, one of the things that they talk about here in the, uh, I believe in the origin. Um, let me make sure I'm not jumping ahead of myself. Um, no, I am jumping ahead of myself. So, anyways, we'll we'll get back to that later. Unique Anarch Revolt perspective right. done. Right. So then we have the formation of the sects. And uh, right now, uh, in this time, it's not a really great time for the clan. Uh, it, it, they, they suffer a lot, and the Camarilla makes its efforts to, to strike out the Sabbat wherever they're found. The hated and ridiculed Camarilla, by the way. Well, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, their, their perspective would help me out with this, if I recall. I finished it yesterday again. I was reading it, but... Uh, the way they call the Camarilla is that are we to fear a group of elders who couldn't hack it, couldn't keep their own children in line and banded together out of fear because they have no land to call their own. And now they're going to go around claiming they have land to call their own. And what are they really? They make them seem like they're the nobles, they're royalty, and they have land and army, right. armies, plural. Right. And the Camarilla are the Robin Hood would-be criminals who don't have a choice. Right. They're going to get killed otherwise. And it's laughable that they do that because that's far cry from what everyone's been saying so far. Right. Uh, they they talk about basically the, the, the source of their darkness in this time is the fact that they are so diametrically op- opposed to what the Camarilla is uh, that there's a reason why this clan exists solely in the Sabbat. There are very sparse if any at all uh converts to the camarilla cause because it is distinctly opposed to every one of their beliefs about metamorphosis about none more than one the masquerade they took the tremere oh yeah well there's that too that's it's but it's the only one right that they mentioned in there that's the biggest major one Mm -hmm. right they said you know some of us might have cared maybe the weaker of us i underline weaker to back what you're saying but at the Tremere. Right. And, and where does that come from? Well, in our review of the Tremere clan book, we made that pretty obvious. They invaded those lands and they stole the blood from the Shamasay. They experimented on them. They learned the secrets through them. And uh, this old clan, they don't, they don't, uh, they don't, they don't curry favor. They don't get over it. Centuries ago, <laughs> right. when they were warring they on each other, they were warring on each other at the beginning of the Anarch Revolt already. And, you know, Lugash t- tells them the trick. They go back. I just described that. And then one of the weaker ones that fell, a Tremere stole off the field and left. Right. It was defeated Zemis. And so the Zemis one was like, whatever. He didn't know what he was doing. But then the Tremere come along and then all of them are like, did you really, without permission? Fun fact, they even admit, had you asked us, had you gave us the courtesy, we might have been friends. Right. But you didn't, and now you're going to die for eternity. It's the longest running grudge no, in the world of darkness. Uh, so then basically we get to the point where um, we have the Industrial Revolution, uh, and what they call it here is of industry and genocide. Um for those who know history, and the history's been told in all the clan books we've read so far, but essentially there is an industrial revolution, and this actually turns out to be a fairly good time for this clan. They find that as these giant cities 
grow up around them, they fit right in. They're able to to worm their way through these giant uh, cemeteries, as they call them. And every once in a while, someone gets lost to the gears of production. Um, Foreman is a beehive. Right. Then World War I happens. And this isn't necessarily a bad thing as far as they're concerned. Uh, you know, walking the battlefields uh, laden with gas and feeding on the occasional soldier, not a big deal. We did skip ahead of one point, and I know folks are going to look yeah, for sure. this. It's the fractional. What happens when you war on your own in the Carpathians? Who's still there? Why'd they sprout in the Sabbat? First things first, the elders of the Zemis clan that are in the Carpathians, the majority view the Sabbat as the grand experiment. Right. They don't care that they're a part of the Sabbat at all. It, just, it doesn't even phase them. Do you, where we understand. What it is, is that the Sabbat is the, the camera is the control, so are the Anarchs. Right. The Sabbat is the actual experiment, and they're to see if that works before they make a decision on it, and it's something they still haven't made a decision on. That's yeah. After 500 years, we're, right. we're just watching. So why that's important is because, again, it's unique. Someone says all Zemis are Sabbat. No, they're not. They have these elders who are here. This is not the aforementioned Ordea League that a lot of people think it is. Well, the Ordea League are the ones who said, we're banding together to oppose those elders who view metamorphosis as a way to be. It's, again, we're to a political distinction. Right. And we'll get more to that later. But the Ordea League are neo-feudalists. They're the ones who believe that before the revolt happened, before the Anarchs started, we should go back to those times. So why make the distinction? Because what Nate just talked about, the Industrial Revolution, is from the eyes of the Sabbat. Right. Distinctly as they spread across the world. Right. And and most of the descriptions in here are peppered with that that perspective because it's told by the perspective of it's told by someone who is definitely a part of that. Right. Uh who was at the cusp of that anarch and uh, anarch movement and did fight their elders. Um but then we move on to World War II. And much like every other clan book, the clan in question, they very much have said uh, many blame us on a funny little man with a funny little mustache. <laughs> I love that. And uh, no, that is not our fault. However, we did partake in some of the very easy experiments in feeding, um, but we found that uh, the prisoners of the camps and the guards of the camps tasted about the same. There really wasn't much different. Both of their blood was quite sweet. And it amazed them how somebody so emaciated uh, so weakened from working all day, had so much blood. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And then they throw right in the mix, and we were elbow to elbow. They describe it as being the watering hole in the great savanna of Africa, yeah. where it's the only source of water, and lion drink next to antelope. By the way, they're describing all the other vampire clans. Of course, Zemis are the lions, and the antelope are the Bruja, the Tremere, the Torador. Everybody right. was in the camps just to feeding. Right. They they do not espouse uh, any sort of belief because why would they? They're a clan of metamorphosis. They're a clan of evolution, um, and that mentality, that political mentality, it doesn't really hold up to that. Um, but they do make the distinction that eh, they were enjoyable times. Right. We took advantage just like everyone else did, um, and. It, Kind of moves on from there um, and kind of brings us into the modern night. And that's a tale that, you know, as players and storytellers, we, we kind of are, are understanding it. We know where we're at nowadays. Um, big thing for them was, though, uh, with World War II, essentially the last of their vestiges of hold on any part of Russia was wiped away by the Bruja and their tanks and... Um, so that's that's a loss to them. An interesting note about that, they were very upset about the equality that mortals suddenly had yeah. over them. Because what are what are Slatka and what are Vazd war ghouls compared to that of old gunpowder? Right, yeah, absolutely. He even describes himself being shot by a blunderbuss and how that seemed to be an equalizer. Right. Except that when he was shot, all he, he, he chuckles to, to say that the survivors of that encounter will all remember what he did to the guy who shot him. Now, there is one thing that we have not mentioned in here, but in the history, there's one, there's one thing that sort of bookends this, this tale at the beginning. They hate Baba Yaga at the end. They hate Baba Yaga. 
Right. <laughs> that's that's the one thing that the shamans say are like, yeah, that Baba Yaga. No, we're not. We're not cool with that. We've been fighting whatever that is for centuries. Another Easter egg in here is Colden. Colden uh, yeah. just means wizard. Which is which is yeah That's, where it's a where I was gonna when I paused earlier and was like am I getting ahead of myself, yeah that, that's the one thing they they do talk about they talk about the magical powers of the clan, although they are not um, they're not nearly as practiced nowadays as they were centuries before. And this is why this book's single most reason I think you should own it, and it, it's not discarded. Second Ed does not throw this book out. No Second Ed book throws the first one out the window. Unless it's Mount Gavin, that's by preference. But this one, I just want to add the fact that it's cool to see that they said that there's a there's a unique title uh, before Voivode. And Voivode literally means you're the clan elder. And to be a Voivode, though, I will remember this, is to have a cape <laughs> stitched together. Not even stitched. It is flesh-crafted from the skins of three Tremere. That is what a Voivode <laughs> must wear. It's his flesh cape to show that he's Voivode of the clan. That's awesome. The one before it, though, is a title you inherit when you master level four vicissitude and one level of thaumaturgy. You have to. That, at that point, you're considered somebody who has earned his right to speak right. freely amongst the Zemis. Other than that, if you do, haven't earned that yet, it is your right to listen and question at your own peril. Yeah. So the, they talk about in here, and, uh, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think in, in later uh, incarnations and in revised they start to make the distinction between thaumaturgy, you being a Kuldun means you practice thaumaturgy, and they're actually actually being a specific type of sorcery. Yes. Um, um so here it seems like it's a it's an idea, but it's they this is the magic that they as the developers have. This is say, oh yeah, this is okay, so it's thaumaturgy. It's popularity, right? Right. It's going as it, it well, it's not even that. What's the mechanical flaw? If every clan practices thaumaturgy we can only make so many paths. Right. And only so many of them can be unique. Right. So we would have to make a distinction of a different type of magic. Right. And you'll see this a lot mechanically, right? Necromancy was just a discipline. Then it became thaumaturgy light. Right. It's, it's death magic versus, you know, what it is now. And then they added voodoo later on. But yeah. this Kuldonic is very much unique to them. And it is a unique magic later on. It's so much, I think, is even two years later, they come out with a... A system variant. Yeah, not not too long after this, they it's they in the do. dark ages they start doing it. Actually, when those supplements come out, yeah, it makes sense. Um, but yeah, so basically, at this point in time, as we're releasing these books, White Wolf seems to have developed one form of blood magic, and right. that's just thaumaturgy. And so, anytime someone's a sorcerer or a wizard, uh, and they even do this with like a, a a lot of the enemies that you might face in the books, they just go, well, it's just associated discipline with them. That's that. And you'll find as this goes on, they go, okay, how do we make that unique? How do we make that unique? How do we change that? Right. And they do that with this clan as well. So, um, but they make it known. Yes, they are, there are very powerful sorcerers within this clan, but the power is not what the, the Tremere have. It's just not. Um, there aren't as many practitioners. It's a much more secretive art. Or, or really, it comes down to this. I mean, it's. I mean, by description, mm -hmm. there's a lot of Zemisa level four that can learn Thom in this book, as it said. You could still do that, but the fact is, is that the theory of vicissitude as its own power into its own right becomes all encompassing. That's there's more you can do with it in terms of brutality that the Sabbat right. needs right. for its war effort than somebody, another person to cast a spell. Right. Um, so then we move into the clan embrace the hierarchy. Um, they talk about the old clan, which uh, you kind of had touched on, but not not quite. Essentially, they are uh, an offshoot of the clan who uh, disavow the metamorphosis ways of the parent clan. Would you say that's an accurate description? I think that's very much what it is, because you got to remember the ways before were it's not about vicissitude, the discount. It's about the way of exploring and to alter your form to such a degree that you're not you're not recognizable. Mm -hmm. Like, who are you now? And that's that's the difference. The Rodea League, sim in its simplicity, is where Dracula came from. Right. That's that's the mindset. If you watch Bram Stoker's, that's the Ordea League. Right. We're not horrendous monsters going through the... We can be, but that is not our point. Right. Where our point is to be territorial. We have our homeland. Right. And we defend it and keep it. We have our servants. And we have these fiefdoms of people that serve us, our vessels. Right. 
um, are um, that's simpler. We're done with that. You get that idea. It's right. more feudalist. I don't care about your politics. I don't care about how you get to get along as a clan. I have my power base, and that's all I'm concerned with. That's Whatever it. you do, go get up. Leave me alone. I have no use. And no one calls them that but themselves. And the reason why they were daily call themselves that is because those elders have agreed that when someone comes to march on any one of them, all 13 rally to fight them. Or however many there are. I'm just stuck on 13. Uh, but that's the point. And the rest of the clan kind of chuckles at that. Like, all right, right cool. Give, right. Them, give them the rocks. That's what they want. So these are some of the distinct uh, variants on the the Deshamase line. Before variants to dive in, yeah. just a quick excerpt about the embrace of Zemis. You do need, as a storyteller, to pay attention to this. When someone agrees to be a Zemis, it's not, hey, I'm Bob, I'm going to be a Zemis. Someone put visits to an aspect on my sheet. Cool, I'm going to roll forward. Do note, that character that gets submitted to you has to have something unique that they describe to you that is the reason they were chosen by their sire. All characters should do this. Every single one of them should do it. Otherwise, what are you really playing? right? But the Zemis more so than any, because they look for intelligence and not just, we're not talking IQ. We're talking right. creativity, thinking in your feet, the ability to learn on, learn and move on to get past your um, inhibitions and whatnot to move forward. That's one of the hallmarks. Another one is the ability to strategize, the ability to take any situation, and turn it to your advantage because they see that as an internal method that is only going to serve you and strengthen them down the road they intimately get into that aspect of the embrace. And I'll leave the majority of that alone. It bears mention because I know a lot of these podcasts were kind of like, you know, old hat, same as the others. A lot of them are. Yeah. But this is not. It is, is literally a world of difference. Very much so. So we've already spoken about the metamorphosis. Those are the first ones that are listed in these. Uh, the, again, this isn't like a, like a bloodline or an offshoot. This is more of like a philosophical perspective. When you're a metamorphosis, just to rehash mm -hmm. real quick, metamorphosis is about evolving. That's it. It's that simple. They want to go from being uh, just a vampire to something else. Right. Which is, which is greater. Later on, they'll describe it. The term is Ozzy Dahaka. Don't need to be mentioned again. Just trust me. We'll go over it again in a later book when they get more on past itself because the metamorphosis have their own path. Right. Uh, we have the neo-feudalists, which we talked about um, to some degree as we worked our way up here. Um, think serfs, think uh, um, you know, lord of a uh, of a a fiefdom, you know, the, like that sort of thing. Like someone who these individuals want to go back to the old ways. They had children. The village brought them food, right? And they defended it. They need to go back to that. Uh, then we have the reclamationists. Uh, they, they seek apotheosis by the most direct means possible. Uh, through diablerie, do you become <laughs> something more? And boy, do they like it. When we talk about, um, re reclamation, it is literally the reclamation of the blood and soul through the act of diablerie. And it's, and it's unique. They talk about, they're the most feared mm -hmm. of all the Zemis, but they're the most rare because there's so few of them right. on purpose. Because what they did was, they it tells you they rarely embrace. Right. I wonder why. <laughs> so, and the whole point is, is they'll diab at any given time. Right. If you, it doesn't matter if you're in the pack or not. Right. It doesn't matter. They don't care. To them, if I diabolize you, it's because you're weaker, and I am taking your strength unto me, not right. killing you. We're evolving. Right. I'm doing a service to the species. And its point is that eventually one of these guys are going to diabolize Cain right that's the point it's considered a variant of path of cain which is a is a, is a variant of all paths are not humanity it's it's you've literally changed your morality right into something else and there's one called path of cain where everything you do is to emulate and be closer to cain right they're about eating cain <laughs> so there's <laughs> not much closer you there's can get a distinction that. um then we have the diversifists and those those are interesting too. It's a concept that, as a player, I've never played with, but I I like the idea. I deal only with my own clan. I'll deal with the Lasambra and I'll deal with the Caitiff because everyone else is being manipulated by their antediluvian. The Caitiffs aren't. The Lasambra aren't. They killed their their founder. We aren't. We killed our founder. Everyone else, I have no interest in talking to you because you're constantly being influenced by an ancient great evil a lonely a lonely life to be sure yes <laughs> yes 
And then we have the Exsanguinists. Um, they These, are an offshoot of the Metamorphosists. They're fun. Uh, vampires have to divorce themselves from the most of primitive biological reactions governing the life cycle of all of other creatures. By purging themselves of the need of vitae, they can attain a state of purely will-driven existence. Yeah, well, no. So uh, <laughs> here's what they do, and all the others are me laughing them for it. So they enjoy it. They find it the highest form of entertainment. These guys will starve themselves and enter into a fight. Frenzy, blood frenzy, eat an opponent, gorge themselves in their blood, and then have to vomit all back out later. And they watch with rapt attention, waiting for it. Right. And then they poke fun at them, or they give them guidance, whatever. Where was your will? Mm -hmm. How did you not stop right. yourself from doing that? So um, after we get done with those, we have the, this is a pretty standard feature, uh, the opinions uh, within and without of the world of darkness. They're so unique yeah. and, in this and, book. You know, we're not going to go over all those. We'll let you read those for yourselves. Except for Giovanni. Um, I found that to be the most entertaining. Basically, it says, the Grinch is the quote to get into this, <laughs> just FYI about their views and everyone. It's going to be a salty and sour tale. But the Giovanni is, uh, is rather unique. You, you reading it? Yeah, I'm reading it right now. I'll read it. Another bastardized line, but far more formidable. The Tremere are naught but rapists, while the Giovanni seem instead to be the products of a deliberate and unholy spawning. And their powers? Why, I could call a soul back into its ruined frame again and again for a thousand and one nights of pleasure. Yes, there is much to learn from these hybrids. We only want to learn their necromancy is what they're talking <laughs> right. about. So when our experiments die, we can put them back in and kill them again. I mean, imagine that, you know. Tell me, what was that experience like when you died? Let's try it again. It's a, <laughs> one to your liking? I have another right, way to torture right, you to right. death. Uh, then uh, they move on from there and they talk about Shamase torture techniques. This is good for a read. You know, it's light, fair. Um, <laughs> Why do you read it? If you cannot portray, cannot stomach, Torture in all its forms, social, psychological, and physical. If you can't do it, this is not your clan. Right. It's not your clan at all. There, I, I never want to see another person say I'm a Zemis who doesn't believe in anything in their clan. Right. And I walk the world with my sword in hand. I'd it's a fairly important, but kind of almost a throwaway distinction that they make in here, that the clan is much more interested in Hannibal Lecter's than they are in Jeffrey Dahmer's. And it, it's an important distinction. Right. And And that's one thing that, you know... I know we're a lot of us were a fan of like the whole splatterhouse kind of eh, I'm nasty and disgusting and I chop people up, but the clan is more subtle than that. The clan is much more devious than that. And metamorphosis is not just about like I'm gonna sprout claws and fucking smash it. All right, well that cool, but also it's not that. And that section backs that point. I mean, they tell you near the end, it's like you know how do you how does one torture a Nosferatu? They're already disfigured beyond comprehension. How does one torture a um, someone like a Ventru? If they, they have everything and they're old, they're really not going to care uh, what it is that you're going to do to them or how long you do it to them. There has to be a point. So you have to be able to attack them at different angles. And they talk about it. You know, if someone is physically apt and social and mental, psychological is going to be your way to go. Right. Um, they go on a little bit more to talk about the individual creatures that serve the clan uh they talk about the revenants um this is not the first time we've heard of them are you talking about the little girl i'm not talking about any little girl okay i will in a minute okay. go ahead uh but uh they th so revenants we've been introduced to them previously to some degree um there is a, a family of revenants that serve the true hand we talked about them a little bit in one of our previous podcasts uh but essentially they're not quite ghoul they're not quite vampire they're a sort of a m mixture of the two and they were created they were bred so that they would pass on their supernatural powers to their children and their children's children etc and over time uh their usefulness has waned as they've become more and more twisted and uh more apt to deviant predilections um so uh they're they're an interesting sort of side note to this clan that there isn't a great uh, amount of detail in here, but there will be. They will uh, definitely get more into the revenants and further supplements. So the Xantosas, they mention a tad, an excerpt, a story, really, mm -hmm. at the beginning of this. 
um, where he says, you know, one of the fondest memories he has, he thinks it's a memory anyway, if, if concept maybe, it's what the Torter would call uh, love, <laughs> in quotations as he puts it. Yeah. He remembers the night where they, they laid waste to an enemy and, and destroyed them, and he was partying with the other Zemis, and they were at a certain castle, and this beautiful, lovely 13-year-old Xantosa, she chose to, to go with him to a room, and her, he will never forget how her body felt on his, and he would never forget how the smell of his enemy on her breath drove him to such excess, to such heights of ecstasy, that unfortunately she didn't survive the encounter. And so what he did was he took her sweetest of skins, I'll leave that to your imagination of what he took, and he made gloves out of them. And then he took her brains, and with her brains he... He tanned the gloves. Tanned the gloves. And to this very night, he still wears the gloves, even as he writes this. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, th there's that. Um, the, Why did Bob a, remember it? This I, book isn't yeah, a nice book. No, no, it's, it's not. It's not a nice book at all. No, it's not. Um, there is a, there, there's, there's a smugness to it. Oh, yeah. The, very much so, there's an attitude of smugness. So they talk about the ghouls, and um, I, I won't get into them too much, but uh, uh, things like the Schlatka and the the Vohazd or Vo Vazid, I, I'm, I'm not sure. Vazd, I just yeah, Vazd. Uh, these are these are utter monstrosities that this clan makes. You have to know them because right. in here, with the detail that you know, he's not. I mean, I, Schlatka need to be mentioned because how did they survive the Tremere? One of the Shamir clan, they had gargoyles and didn't whatever to wage right. war. The Zemis didn't just take it. They had Shlaska. They would take whole villages, if need be. And what they would do is make horrific mutations of their own bone and flesh on these guys. And they would combine them to make them more ghouls. They would give them evolutionary type advances. And they're called, and they're called Shlaska. They're technically not the Vaz. Right. They're definitely not the Vaz, but a type of war ghoul. And they would send them at the Shamir as their own little living gargoyle, right? The other one, the Vazd, is a combination of over 15 unfortunate souls that they have flesh crept in one giant mound of doom. And they would send these out like giant war elephants I feel like you at should, whatever they wanted to assault. I feel like you should watch 300, and you should watch the... the Who were the enemies in 300? The um, uh, Persian. The Persian Persians. army. Yeah. And the way that they did it in the movie... Where they have like these crazy, like weird mutant things with clubbed hands and you know tusks and all this. Like I don't know if you remember three hundred. I remember that there was one mutant and he had a hunchback in three hundred. That was it. No. And then no. like the, the people that were around there looked a little weird, but uh, that was around I'll, the I'll fire. show you. There's there's this very specific creature that's in that that literally has like clubs, like spiked clubs for arms, and it's like twelve feet tall and. It, are we remembering Token? No, no, definitely not that. I'm going to have to see it. I slept through those movies. But anyways, uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but they do they do go over the protectors of the clan, those yep. that serve the clan. You're talking specifically the Bogateri? Mm, no, I don't know if I'm talking about that. I don't okay, know what you're talking right, about. We'll um, anyways, uh, uh, we move on to Merits and Flaws, and there's some interesting ones in here. But you don't know about the Bogateri? I'm not sure I know what you're talking about, no. All right. It's not in that book. They mention them in that book, but they're uh, not uh, no. defined till later on. So. No, I, uh, it's, I'm sorry. Uh, I have to reread the revised book. It's been 150 years since I've read it. Um, <laughs> uh, that merits and flaws, discipline powers, like you would. Coolest discipline power ever uh, is in that book. It's the level six animalism power, and you'll never see it again. And I'm mad it's gone. I still include it because I now that I read it again, I'm gonna keep it. It's it's one that's near and dear to me. Um, I forget the name of it though, which is funny, but I remember what it does. It gives the person the ability to feed from a vampire and take of their memories, yeah. and thus retain them for a time. Tier of souls. It's rather cool. Yeah, you like gain abilities from people you feed off of. And it's, uh, well, why is it terrifying? Well, for a lot of people, it harkens back to that, uh, why is it that uh, Diablers eat other people? That's, right. that to right there is power. one of them. Right. You know, why so do we, cannibals eat people? That we, was a belief. We move on to the the standard 10, uh, uh, basically your, your freebie character concepts, your, your built-in ones. And, uh, you know, they're pretty standard. Uh, 
for those that have played this clan before, you've probably all played at least one of these. Um, but we'll let you go over those yourself. Then uh, at the end, of course, we have the appendix where they talk about some of the more uh, important names in the clan, just a small sampling of them. Um, of course, we have Dracula, Vlad Tepes, and then uh, Velia, the vivisectionist. Um, that's an interesting character you should definitely read. Velia, the vivisectionist, is an ancient who is rumored to be embraced by Antediluvian himself, and he found a girl mm-hmm. in a random hamlet and chopped her legs off and fused her to his back because he knew her evil within. <laughs> and they say that it's most unnerving about it, and Zemis don't like being around this guy much because she dutifully and in a shrill voice will yell out the next torture he should be performing. <laughs> they give you like basically a paragraph in here, but at a later date we will learn a whole lot more about the the terrifying nature of this character. And I like the picture here, but also it doesn't do what we'll see later on uh, any justice. Then, of course, we have the Witch Hunter, Righteous Endeavor, and uh, Corinne Marcon. Righteous Endeavor is in good dimension only because it's the most, I think it's an incomplete thought. Yeah. They're like, it's a witch hunter. I don't think it belongs in the book, to be fair. No, I don't either. Because like, it's a witch hunter. It's here. He did stuff. He hunted witches, and then he's gone. And then he comes back, and by the way, he hates the Nosferatu Prudent Stone because he missed her. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, interesting. Yes. She's one of the few that escaped his scourge. And then at the end, we have whatever the... F- I don't even know what this is. but The first duck- one. Yes, Corinne Maricon. She's cool because she her vicissitude is refined to such a degree that she was able to strip down human flesh to threads, and then she designs fashionable suits out of them. You know, caveat <laughs> emptor, though, because she they're still alive. Yes. They're, yeah. they're living ghouls that she makes suits out of. And they're and, and it's it's incredible because yeah. she's able to do it and they're still bloodbound and she knows a way to telepathically communicate to the clothing. Yeah. I want you to twist this way and turn that way. Well, it's not just that. It said whoever <laughs> buys and sells them and people apparently spend a mint, she's able to spy on them. Right. That that that's actually a really cool idea. Um I yeah, it's it's very weird, but hey, that's part for the course. Uh one thing this clan is definitely about. It's never too weird. No. If you think it's too weird, push it a little further and you'll get there. But remember what they say. Those that look like a horror, they're not very good at what they do. It's those <laughs> that don't that are exceptional at it. Dr. Totentons deserves mention only because, mm-hmm. well, one, I think it's a clever nod to that song that's Dr. Tote. I don't think that song was it. out yet. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it was or wasn't. I'm just saying. I mean, it's probably it's probably spurned from the same pool. Of, you get what I'm saying, right? Because I really because what I'm saying. There's a thing between me and Nate. I heard that song. I was like, that's a weird song. Mm-hmm. He's like, why, dude? It's just you know, thing. It's Doctor Toad. Is that a real dude? Nah, I think they made it up. Did they? Yeah, I don't know. Because Doctor Totentots is in this book, right? Right. It clearly it has to have originated from somewhere, and I just have not uh, bothered to look up to find out where. But yeah, the picture of this character is like some odd, twisted, like graffiti Nazi. It is like werewolf women of the SS. Yeah, it and is. It's, but it's more in depth. Yes. Was a male. Yes. Got embraced, forced to be a female, and is the most violent Zemis, who is, uh, I believe he's the neo-feudalist. No, it's not. He's a metamorphosis, excuse me. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's That's driving the war effort to move forward. Yeah, a very much um, a Nazi. <laughs> Somehow, this fucked up Nazi managed to take their fucked up belief and apply it to kindred society because apparently Cain was the first Aryan. Of course. Et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you can f- pretty much follow that strain as far as it goes. I couldn't let that go. No, no, and we, and we shouldn't have. Um, so, yeah. Uh, that is the clan book. Clan book, Shamase, Zemis, Zitskimsky, Sumitskatsky, whatever you, whatever you want to call them. Um, so uh, we hope you enjoy the podcast. Definitely check out this book. Um, this is one that I would strongly suggest picking up. Um, I, I suggest getting the revised for sure, but this is one I strongly suggest getting as well. Just there's never too much flavor that you can add to this clan. 
And I, that's my personal belief. On behalf of the creativity that thought of the infamous, most famous to me, even that above a Dracula, mm-hmm. Dracula himself, Pussy Face. <laughs> this is his book. Thank it's you. all for you. Thank you for including that on the back of your book. I don't know <laughs> if I would have been so apt to purchase it based on the front cover. Uh, had there not been a sticker on the back of the book going, you can't look at this until you buy it. That's correct. Now, um, if you are interested in buying this book or any of the other books that we've talked about, you can purchase them through our website at drivethroughrpg.com. Go to our website. uh, On all of the posts, we put a picture of the book we talked about. And if you click on that picture, it's a link. And it takes you to drivethroughrpg, uses our... Uh, our our info to essentially give us some credit um and uh you know we're not going to make a mint off of it but that definitely helps us so (laughs) you know get out there if you want to buy these books get them on pdf um or we do have um amazon links on our website you can go and search for these books on amazon and still find them quite often um paper copy uh next week we will be taking a vacation uh we will not have a podcast uh, the weekend of the 11th. Um, so we're not going anywhere, just taking a little summer break for the weekend. And then we'll be w- uh, back the week after that with another podcast. If you have any questions for us, um, any suggestions, criticisms, uh, things you'd like to hear from us, uh, definitely send us uh, your questions through Twitter or through Facebook or our email address which is utilitymuffinlabs at gmail.com. You can find us uh, at Twitter at 25 years of VTM. Um, you can just do a quick search. Uh, all the links to get in touch with us are posted on our website, which is utilitymuffinlabs.com. I am Nathan. And I'm Bob. And uh, it was a pleasure. We'll talk to you again. Bye.